welcome to a special bonus episode of Pause and Listen, the podcast from Pause. I'm Claire Laxton and will be your host for this episode. For any new listeners out there, Pause is a national charity working with women who've experienced or at risk of having their children removed from their care. We offer an intensive trauma-informed model of support to women, so the removal of a child should never have to happen more than once. In this episode of Pause and Listen, we're going to be looking at letterbox contact. Relationships with children is a priority for women who work with PAUSE and vital to creating lifelong links for families. In September, we launched our Time to Deliver campaign, which is calling for change in the letterbox contact system. We spoke to women, adoptive families and professionals and found a system that isn't working or fit for purpose. And our campaign is calling for changes, such as regular reviews of letterbox contact arrangements, looking at digital contact systems, and having a designated coordinator or team for all local areas. We're asking people to email their MP about letterbox contact, so please do check out the PAUSE website on pause.org.uk and take action today. Now in this podcast episode, we'll be hearing from Harpreet, a PAUSE practice lead, about her experiences of supporting women with letterbox contact and contact arrangements. But first, we'll be hearing from Liz, a woman who works with Pause, talking about her experience of letterbox contact, what works and what could be better. I'm really delighted to be joined by Liz, who's worked with Pause and now supports us, being a peer mentor. And she's also set up her own support network called Little Steps. Liz, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what brought you to pause? I've got three children. My oldest is 22 this year. My middle one is 13 and my youngest is eight. I lost my children in 2015. My middle one's in long-term care, but my youngest one's been adopted. That officially went through 2016. Are you talking about your children being in different care arrangements? What yeah. sort of contact do you have with them in those different arrangements? My eldest, she's moved back in with me. My middle one, I see it did start off uh, every other month. So I saw him six times a year. He's now moved to another carer's where I get to see him every month. He's pushing for seeing me twice a month now, which I'm grateful for. My youngest one, I have letterbox contact because he's been adopted. A lot of issues around that. His life storybook's not been completed. The last letterbox letter I had from him was 2019. I mean, we're in 2021, so that's a long while. One before that, I'd waited over a year and a half for. So waiting a long time for letters is one of the challenges that you have with letterbox contact. Yeah, I meant to get it twice a year. What are the other things that are difficult about letterbox contact that you have experienced in the last few years? Just really the little things. He's my son. I know he's being looked after by somebody else. He's my son. And I would love to be able to say, oh, my love, mummy, instead of just saying, mummy, Liz. And do you always know when those letters have been received? Do you know when you should be expecting the next one? Have you had to chase letters that you haven't received? That been a real challenge, just trying to get those letters. I don't know if they've been received. The only time I ever figure out that they've been received is when I actually get a response. And chasing them is a problem because the letters are still with the social worker. 
then I have to go into the whole, I'm going to go and speak to my local MP. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Then everything starts to get done. And it shouldn't have to be like that. I shouldn't have to CC her manager into my emails. I shouldn't have to email her. It's draining. It's daunting. When you do receive those letters, it's obviously really difficult. What are the positives for you from receiving those letters and hearing from your child? When I do receive them, it does bring me to tears. I do tend to cry. Just to know that he's growing up and he's doing okay, that he's doing really well at school. Just little things, like hearing his favourite song or hearing his fa- about his favourite book or his favourite subject at school. It's really nice to hear them things. Without them letters, you wouldn't get to know what they're like. Yeah, it's all those little things that, that build up relationships, isn't it? And yeah. help you know that he's doing all right. Yeah. One of the things that we're talking a lot about, pause at the moment, is letterbox contact and how the system needs to change and it's just not working. What are the things that you'd like to see change for letterbox contact to make things better for you and your children? Consistency. Having a guideline that's consistent, having something that's continuous that you don't have to chase up I think that would be better for anyone to deal with letterbox having someone in that team that you can pick up the phone and call them knowing your dates knowing when you've got a deadline to send your letters I know it sounds formal but that structure it's beneficial it helps remember before you lose your kids you've got a consistency thing you get them up you take them to school you feed them you do your washing you do shopping and it's all done in a routine when you've had your routine disrupted Trying to get into another routine is really, really hard. I think having that routine there, your letters are due on this day. You're going to receive letters, your responses by this day. Guidelines of what you can and cannot say. And half of the people don't know what they can say from what they can't say. If it's all there and it's structured, we know where we stand. Yeah, and it's that communication, just being really clear with people about what to expect. And other people have said they don't even know what they can and can't say. And I think we've had enough of that. Yeah. Over the years, we've had that from social workers, we've had that from health visitors and doctors and every other professional. We don't need that. We don't want to feel like we're being set up to fail with our own kids. We've already felt that. We want to be able to feel normal again. We are hoping that people like MPs and the government will listen to us and want to change something about letterbox contact. Is there anything that you'd want them to hear from you, someone with experience of letterbox contact? We're not rubbish mums. We was in a situation, we was in circumstances beyond our control. We love our kids dearly. To not hear from our children kills us. To have our children removed, not being able to hear from them. For weeks, months, days, years on end. I mean, it's been two years since I've heard from my son. That's not nice. We don't want to have to live like that. We've gone through a heartache and then to have to relive the heartache every year continuously is wrong. Something needs to be done. Somebody needs to listen. We're not rubbish parents. We love our children dearly. That's all I can say. Thanks, Liz. I think what you've just said there is such a powerful testament about why Letterbox Contact does need to change. And we are trying to do everything we can to make sure someone does listen and actually recognises that the system does need to change and you need to have that relationship with your children and they need to hear from you and be able to build that relationship. So I really appreciate you talking to us and telling us about your experiences. I'm really 
delighted to be joined by Hartpreet Kaur. He's the practice lead at Paws Southwark and previously led the team at Paws Slough as well. So she's got loads of experience in this issue. Welcome Hartpreet and thanks so much for joining us. Hi Claire, thank you so much for having me. No worries. Can you tell us a bit about your experience of supporting women with letterbox contacts and what might work well in the areas that you've worked in? Yeah, sure. I have to say, I feel the picture overall is quite mixed and it really sometimes depends on individual women and the team around them. And what I mean by that is sometimes members of teams in post-adoption services are extremely proactive and helpful and will really go out of their way to ensure a woman is understanding of the agreement that she may have signed at a very difficult point in her life. Having spoken to a few women in my previous practice, by the time it came round to those women writing their first letter or responding to the first letter that came to them, they had, for many, many reasons, forgotten what they had signed, didn't understand the agreement, didn't know who was writing first, didn't know what to say, was still really reeling so found it really really difficult to think about writing a letter or receiving a letter what made that process much less distressing was having a pause practitioner to liaise with the letterbox service to be able to help the woman understand when the letter might be coming or whether she was the one who would do the writing there's definitely something there isn't there about how letterbox contact is communicated to everyone involved checking whether people actually understand what the process is and then if you've got really good proactive professional maybe in the letterbox contact team in your local area then that's great but it might be dependent on the individuals absolutely and being really mindful of what point are women being asked to look at letterbox agreements what else might be going on for her can she have support does she have a copy of the agreement that is such a key point and thinking of that through a trauma-informed lens it might not always be the right time to speak about letterbox contact because women are still coming to terms with decisions that have been made in court probably Mm -hmm. still are having lots of correspondence with their solicitors the social worker thinking about a goodbye contact Mm. you know the last time that they see their child in person and then amongst all of that professionals are expecting a woman to have a couple of dates in the next year in their mind I think that's quite a lot to take in there's also a lot around what is in the content of the letters there is so much that women can't say or a language that they can't use so that in itself creates a lot of confusion and anxiety and apprehension about what can or cannot be said. In your experience in Harpery has there been any changes to the systems in the areas that you've worked in around letterbox contacts that might have benefited women and families? In Southwark the regional adoption agency has recently been created and is up and running now so they have really clear pathways in terms of who looks after letterbox for which area in South London so we have um, a designated letterbox coordinator whom the team know they can approach for any queries about letterbox previously in Slough too there was a letterbox coordinator who was very proactive and would send out reminders to the pause team 
And that's definitely something that we've heard from some of the work that we've done on letterbox contact that actually where people do have a designated person that people know how to contact and it's really clear how to reach them and what their role is that that really helps the process run more smoothly and people understand it a bit more. That's also really helpful, particularly when women are working with practitioners as graduates of pause. When women are working with practitioners as graduates of pause, they're not receiving the intensive service, but are still keeping in touch with practitioners. Practitioners can direct women to speak or liaise with the coordinators directly. Thinking about, Harpreet, when letterbox contact is done well, what impact does letterbox contact have on women's and children's lives? When it's done well, I think it has a huge, huge positive impact. I remember working with a very young woman who I was there with when she opened the second or the third letterbox letter from her son's adoptive parents. And for her to know how he was doing and who he's becoming and who he's growing up to be, things that he liked and things that he didn't like, made a huge, huge difference to her. She had something to talk about. She was so excited to tell her parents what she'd heard about how he was doing. In all, it made her feel that she had a part to play in her son's life. And I think one of the other things that had the biggest impact was the fact that she had met her son's adoptive parents, even though it was a brief meeting, but she knew the person who'd written that letter on her son's behalf. That made a really big difference. It made her feel like she was a part of that family in some way. And she was considered a part of his life for them to write to her and tell her and share all those things. Yeah, definitely. They can envisage the person that they're writing to. It feels really important. It is really about that, the real connection between the woman and the adoptive parents. And the letter was very focused on the woman's little boy, that shared connection all around. I think sometimes women feel that the letter is in some way going to be about how bad they have been, about how they're not a good person. I remember speaking to one woman who didn't know what to say in her letterbox letter And she said to me, I wonder if I should say that I'm sorry for not being a good mum. And we really talked and reflected on that and helped her to think about whether that was helpful for her or for her child. The letter is about how the child is doing and not about any appraisal of the woman or what's happened in the past. Women often say they just want to know that their children are okay and they want to know that they're doing all right and that feels like when it's done well letterbox contact can reassure them in that way as well there's also the sense that the letters give women the sense of time with each letter they get to know how their child is doing especially if they were adopted at a very young age when women are not seeing children in their minds their child can still be very young as the letters come and they're told the little one is walking or She's now doing three days a week at nursery. All of those things, I think, really help women to feel part of their child's life and to know that they're okay. Yeah, definitely. So we've talked a bit about the difference that having that designated person that works on letterbox contact and being available to people is really helpful. 
Is there anything else that you think needs to change, particularly around letterbox contact to make it work better? I certainly think more support at the time that letterbox agreements are drawn up. I think birth parents certainly need that support to understand the process a lot better, understand the expectations, who writes first. If a woman missed the month that she was supposed to write, is it still okay for her to put a letter in? At the moment, there's no statutory duty around post-adoption support in the way that we're talking about. Letters do bring up a lot of mixed feelings in the way that I've talked about letterbox contact being very positive. It can also be a reminder of the separation and it can also be a reminder of all the things that women are missing out on in their children's lives and then the feeling I should be there to see my child doing all the new things that the letters are describing. A form of therapeutic support would be hugely beneficial. Thank you so much to Liz and Harpreet for their thoughts and experiences of letterbox contact and how it can be vastly improved. Please do check out the Time to Deliver campaign and take action to email your MP about letterbox contact at pause.org.uk. We'll be back soon with another podcast episode, but in the meantime, if you want to find out more about Pause, just find us on Twitter or Instagram at pause.org. If you're new to this podcast and enjoyed it, you can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, thank you.